Welcome to Every Moment His. This sermon was preached from the pulpit at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, and we pray that you are blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Good morning again. Grace, mercy, and peace to each and every one of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So in your bulletin, it says we have a guest preacher. Uh, Our guest preacher is uh, feeling under the weather today. Uh, He will be back for our marriage retreat, but is taking some time to rest. And so um, I'm going to preach kind of on the fly here from uh, chapter 20 of of Matthew's gospel. So we'll do this a little bit more like a Bible study where I'll read through the text. I'll work through, you know, verse by verse. Um, We'll give this about 15 or 20 minutes. And wherever we get, we'll call it quits there. Sound good? All right, so it'd be helpful if you had a Bible out. Uh, Grab a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 20. We've been going through the parables this whole summer, and um, we kind of have a a running joke in our staff uh, that this is kind of the unfair parable. Uh, A lot of times people struggle with this parable because it really kind of grates against their their feeling of uh, fairness, of you get what you work for, you get what you deserve. And here we see people showing up at the 11th hour, barely working at all, and getting the same paycheck. Um, So let's talk about what does this mean. Uh, So uh, chapter 20, verse 1, uh, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Uh, Like many of the parables, Jesus uh, says the kingdom of heaven is like. He's using the story of the parable to give you uh, a real, a potentially real-life situation, something you can imagine happening in real life, uh, to help you to understand what his kingdom is like. Uh, this word vineyard is a very important word because in Isaiah chapter 5, uh, we have Israel called a vineyard, the vineyard of God's planting. And yet, sadly, in that uh, story, Isaiah 5, the vineyard fails to bear fruit. And so as you hear uh, the word vineyard, think the people of God, think Israel. So verse 2, after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, if you're using the same type of Bible I am, the ESV, you have a a footnote there right next to denarius. How much is a denarius? It's a day wage. It was a literal coin, a denarius coin that you would get for one day of work. And so if you remember last week, remember we had in our parable somebody who owed 10,000 talents. That's like 10,000 lifetimes of work. But then that servant went out and choked the other servant who owed about 100 talents. That's 100 of these little coins uh, that were worth a day's work. So we've agreed to a price. The workers are going out in the field. Verse Three, and going out uh, about the third hour, this is about 9 a.m., he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Uh, from the days that I work construction, I imagine the temp workers just kind of sitting there waiting for an assignment, waiting to be hired. That's kind of what these guys are doing. They don't have a job, and so they get hired. Verse 4, he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. Um, Verse 5, so they went, going out again about the sixth hour, now this is noon, 
And the ninth hour, that's about three o'clock in the afternoon, he did the same. And so the master continues to hire people at different points in the day. Verse six, and about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. I think this is where we get that phrase, the 11th hour, meaning the last minute. Uh, the 11th hour would be about 5 p.m. in the afternoon. People are already getting ready, packing up, ready to go home as the workday is ending. And yet, uh, this master still hires some. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because nobody has hired us. So he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Now, the generosity here is, is really evident that... Um, you know, the master could have said, it's not worth my time, it's not worth my money, uh, but he wants to employ everybody. I think this reminds us that the gospel goes out to every corner of the earth that God desires that everybody would hear. And so these people get hired too. Verse 8, and when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Now, if you have your own Bible or you're using one of those Matthew journals, you might want to circle that, the last up to the first, because we're going to see that this is very important. In fact, it's something that Jesus ended chapter 19 with, and he'll end the parable with, the last and the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. What a nice payday. You work an hour you get a big paycheck. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. So these guys were thinking, I bet we're going to get like 10 denarius because we worked the whole day long. But what do they get? Each of them received a single denarius. And on receiving it, they did what, well, children do in my household when something's not fair, they grumbled. They grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. Verse 13. By the way, wouldn't you be upset too? Wouldn't you be asking, This isn't fair, right? But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? Now, the, the literal Greek is, is not in the English here because it's a little hard for us to understand, and so we get a paraphrase in the English translation. But look at your note there, footnote two. What does footnote two say? Or is your eye bad because I am good? And, and so think of the facial expression you might give, what you might do with your eyes if you felt like you were getting cheated on payday. Uh, is your eye bad because I am good? And so notice there's a focus on the goodness the generosity of the owner, and then also the feeling of uh, like a being begrudging, right? 
Now, a thing with parables that you need to know is you always have to pay attention in every single parable you listen to. You always have to pay attention to the last and final word because a lot of times Jesus tells the story and then he gives the punchline. And so if you want to know what the parable means, if you want to know the most important part of the parable, always look for the end, the punchline. What's the punchline? Verse 16, let's just read it together. So the last will be first and the first last. So we've kind of worked through the text here. We've looked at the parable, and uh, I'd like to first, uh, before we draw some meaning out of this, I'd like to look at the context a little bit, because whenever you read the Bible, you need to look at the context. You need to look at what is around the, the chapter and the verses that I just read, because uh, remember that when Matthew's gospel was written, when all the gospels were written, originally there were no chapters and verses. Those got added maybe about a thousand years after they were the, uh, the text was written. So imagine that you're reading this with no chapters and verses. You're not going to pause in your mind and think we're beginning a new thought. You're going to think the thoughts that came before as you think about what is in the text now. So go back. I want to show you two things. Go back to Matthew 18. We were in Matthew 18 for a couple weeks, and one of the main themes, one of the main things that we heard in Matthew 18 is this language of the least and the last and the littlest, right? The least, the last, and the littlest. Keep that in mind because Jesus says that the first will be last and the last will be first. So, for example... At the, at the beginning uh, of chapter 18, the disciples ask Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which is really about, the, is about this parable, right? Uh, who's going to get paid the most? Who gets the most reward? Who gets the most recognition, the most compensation? And how does Jesus answer that question? He calls a child into their midst and says, this is the greatest, and unless you humble yourself and become like one of these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus is teaching us what true greatness looks like in the kingdom. It doesn't mean to be great. It means to be small. If we move on, Jesus begins to talk about the little ones, the small ones, the ones that we may not notice. He talks about, you know, woe to those who cause these little ones to sin. It'd be better to cut your hand off or cut your foot off than to cause one of these little ones to sin. Then we hear about the parable of the lost sheep in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. And so really what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 18 is he he's teaching us what greatness looks like in the kingdom. It's not those who are front and center in the kingdom. It's not those who uh, maybe do the hardest work or those who um, are in positions of authority that are the greatest. Jesus is saying that the greatest in the kingdom is the one who is the weakest, the smallest, perhaps the one that's not noticed, the one that the world would look at and say, this person doesn't really count. And so keep that in mind as we're thinking about the interpretation of the parable today. What does it mean to be the least? What does it mean to be the greatest? The next thing I want to show you is in chapter 19. 
Our lectionary skipped over chapter 19, but in uh, 19, verse 16, we have this uh, rich young man who comes up to Jesus and says, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, Notice that the fact that this man was powerful and rich meant nothing when it uh, came to getting into the kingdom. And we actually see that this rich young man is not, he's not anything like a small child, because remember, children receive the kingdom of God first, right? But this man is too big and too rich and too important to get into the kingdom. And so Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle uh, than for someone who trusts in their riches to get into the kingdom. Now, this leads to the disciples asking a question about their own greatness. Uh, So look at verse 27. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, this is the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, we confess in the creed. In the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That sounds like a pretty good job promotion, right? We would think that these 12 are the first, the most important. But let's keep reading. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my sake, my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will receive eternal life. And so uh, Jesus is certainly teaching that those who labor in God's kingdom and who sacrifice greatly for it will be richly rewarded. But notice, Jesus is going to check Peter and the other disciples' pride because look what he says in verse 30. What does he say? But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So, hey, just because you're going to be sitting on thrones and judging the 12 tribes of Israel as the 12 apostles, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're first, right? So do you see how this thought leads us into the parable? Do you see how the context about the first, the least, the last leads us into the parable. Um, So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, a couple thoughts on the meaning of the parable here. Just a few thoughts. Number one, um, I want you to think about this parable in light of the whole entire Bible. Imagine that you were a Jewish Christian and for your whole entire life, you strove to keep the law. You, you worshiped one God. You didn't worship idols. And you dealt with the difficulty of being a faithful Jew in the Roman Empire, uh, the persecution that brought, the marginalization that that brought. Um, and then you believed in Jesus the Messiah. You took up your cross and followed him. Uh, And you, your story as a disciple is part of this bigger, longer story of the Jewish people enduring hostility and difficulty and trouble all the way back through the exile, back to the exodus. So you've got this long story of, in the language of the parable, bearing the heat of the sun, right? Working the full 12 hours. 
And then imagine as the gospel spreads that you have these Gentiles, these Roman or Greek people, who they've been, they've been basically breaking God's law their entire life. They've been worshiping idols. They've been uh, immoral. They've been godless. And then they hear the gospel and they believe it. And they get the same thing that you get. Justification, grace, forgiveness. Not less, but exactly the same. Could you see maybe the Jewish people, or the, remember the early church was entirely Jewish for its first years. Could you imagine those Jewish people grumbling and saying, how come these Gentiles get the same thing we get, right? They've been wasting their lives with immorality and idolatry, and we've been trying to keep the rules, and we get the same thing? We don't get a promotion. We're equal, of equal standing. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, and that leads us to the next point, and the next point is this, is that God's grace isn't fair. It isn't fair. But that's a good thing, right? Because what if, God, what if God's relationship with you is based on fairness? What would you get? What would I get? Not good, right? Every single one of us. Uh, but what does God give us? Gives us grace. All because of Jesus. And so, uh, and what do we get? We all get the same Jesus. We all get the same grace. We all get the same mercy, the same justification, the same life everlasting. Do we want to grumble about that? Nope. We're just glad that we've got it because if God were to play the fair game with us, none of us would wake up this morning or tomorrow. We would all be exiled out of the kingdom. And yet God chooses to be generous and gracious and merciful to us. Uh, the other thing to think about, and this will be my final thought, and it's related to grace, is this. Do we really want to talk about who worked the hardest Who did all the work so that you might be part of God's kingdom? Jesus. Who did, who, who did more than bear the heat of the day for 12 hours? Who hung on the cross, right? I think it's interesting that what's mentioned here is the third hour, sixth hour, the ninth hour. What does that remind us of? When was Jesus crucified? right? That who hung on the cross during these hours for you and me and our salvation? It was Christ. And so if we want to talk about who did all the work, uh, let's all look to Jesus. And um, we don't play the bartering game of who's the most important, who gets the most reward. We're just thankful that we're part of the kingdom. Uh, we're thankful that we're even allowed to be at the table. And that's certainly enough because what is the real reward? Whether you work 12 hours or one hour or 30 minutes, what's the real reward? It's Christ. That you would have Christ, that you'd be in Christ, and that is more than enough. We pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your grace that is overflowing and abundant. We're thankful that your grace is not fair. 
uh, because, Lord, um, it means that we're able to be included in your kingdom. Oh, Lord, we ask you that you would help us to give thanks for your grace every day, knowing that in Christ we are not given what we deserve, but we are given uh, mercy. Uh, Lord, may this keep us humble. Uh, May this keep us uh, faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particularly useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.